Welcome to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is a dear friend of mine, but um, she was so vital in my life for about two years um, when I struggled with scrupulosity and OCD. If you don't know what those two things are, you are in for a treat of some good education and encouragement. But Jamie was placed in my life so strategically. I'm so grateful um, for her coming on this podcast. I could have kept her here for hours. You'll have to excuse me if you're watching this. You'll see that I muted myself because I had coughing fits. But if you're listening in your car, you won't know it at all because she was talking during those times. But I'm so grateful for her. I hope this episode encourages you guys and inspires you. Um, just a little bit more on your walk with God, but also on a mental health journey that some of us are silently suffering on. And I share a little bit more of my story and the diagnosis I received. And Jamie um, steps right in and educates us and encourages us on this episode. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, on the mic with my dear friend, Jamie Eckert. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Brooke. It's awesome to be here. I'm so thankful that I get to call you friends. Um, you've always been my friend, but we um, met uh, online and you were my uh, coach for Scrupulosity and we'll get right into that. But um, it's just an honor to have you on the show. And for me, it's a very full circle moment because I've logged on to many Zoom calls with you, um, not in good spirits and not mentally healthy and just super lost. And so before I get all teary eyed talking about how much you mean to me and how thankful I am for this moment, um, I'm just want to give you a warm welcome. And um, I just want to invite you to share a little bit of your story and what um what eventually got you to the point of knowing that you had scrupulosity and OCD? Yeah, awesome question, Brooke. And I just have to say, this is an awesome moment for me to to see how you have just bloomed and grown and um, just changed so much over the time that that we've known each other. Uh, so it really is a quite a privilege for me to be with you on your podcast. Thank you so much. Um, but you ask about scrupulosity, and I'm aware that probably a lot of your listeners have never heard that term before. Probably not. No. People are like, scrupul, what? What is that? Yeah. What is scrupulosity? Scrupulosity is actually a term. Um, it's a very, very old term that comes to us from the Middle Ages, and it's from the word scruples which a lot of people have heard about scruples. That's sort of this tendency to be very nitpicky and uptight about, you know, morality or spirituality. And um, scrupulosity is a term that's used to describe obsessive compulsive disorder when it attaches to our religious life, our spirituality. Um, so there's people out there that they get obsessive compulsive about hand washing or checking the stove. There are people that get obsessive compulsive about, you know, thinking that they have some deadly disease that's going to kill them any day now or having weird thoughts about we could go into a lot of topics. Yeah, um, but there's a really small niche of people like a very small percentage of people with obsessive compulsive disorder who get intrusive thoughts, obsessions or compulsions about spiritual things. So that's really what we're talking about. I think when we say the word scrupulosity, it's a real thing, did not make it up. <laughs> it is real. And you know, that really, 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 really small percentage of people, it's, um, I'm like, dang, wow, it's really tiny. I'm honored to be a part of this little group. Although it's not a fun thing. And I have said it before, I wouldn't wish it on my own worst enemy. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like how Jamie said, and not to steal your thunder, but for those of you listening, we we hear it a lot, right? Like, oh, that's just my OCD, right? I need the blinds to be a certain level. And and perhaps we, you know, we can be like that as people. We can be um, perfectionists, but being a perfectionist is an OCD. A lot of people characterize things as, oh, that's just my OCD or my OCD won't let me do that. And before, I mean, you're you guys who are listening are in a safe place with Jamie and I because we're not easily offended by that. Like, I'm not going to be like, you don't know what OCD is. How dare you say that you have this? But I do want to draw attention to it is a small subset of people who have OCD and an even smaller subset of people who have scrupulosity. And I think the percentage, I could be wrong, but I believe I've read this somewhere um, when I was kind of educating myself from like knowing what I was diagnosed with was um, 
it's about 3% or less than 3% of people with OCD. So let's say there's like one to 2% of the world's population that has OCD. And then that, then 3% of that has what we were dealing with. So again, very, very niche. Um, and so, which makes even us meeting each other more of a miracle to me, but anyways, not to steal your thunder, you can pick back, um, up where you were. Yeah. I, I don't even actually know where I was going with all of that. But I, I totally agree. I got excited. <laughs> no, but the reality is that obsessive compulsive disorder is one of the most misunderstood mental health conditions because there's such a funny stigma attached to it. Like people think it's really funny and, and, and there's all these memes and jokes and stuff. And a lot of people with OCD get very offended by the OCD memes. I actually like them. Yeah, I find them it keeps funny. It light. Um, yeah. But for people who are in the midst of, of OCD recovery, it can be really hard that people don't understand what this is. People make fun of it. People wear t-shirts misrepresenting yep. what OCD is all about. Um, but it is actually one of the top causes, mental health related causes for disability in the US. I think it's in the top five mental health related disability causes. So it can be very severe. I've worked with clients who are coming out of psychiatric hospitals. I've worked with clients who are so debilitated by their OCD that they cannot leave their house. They cannot work. They cannot live normal lives. So it is, um, in some cases, it can be a, a quirky personality trait, but in many cases, it's a very devastating disorder to deal with. Yeah. And, and that it is debilitating because, the thing is when you're struggling with something, right, that you don't know what you're struggling with. So I know when I found out that I had OCD, I literally was like, okay, sure. I like things clean, but you know, and then I would argue it, right? Because OCD is the doubting disease. It's a, what if I don't, or what if I do, what if I didn't check the garage door closed? What if I didn't check the, the stove? What if I didn't? And then with scrupulosity, which we'll go more into it is, well, what if I didn't repent? What if I actually didn't accept Christ as my savior? So it's this what if disease. And so when I first found out that I had OCD or scrupulosity um, to be more specific, I was like, well, what if I don't? What if I really am just like a sinner and a bad person? Or what if I really am just a basket case? What if I'm schizophrenic? And you just like keep going down this what if trail. And so I think that's the education piece, right? With OCD where I'm with you, where I laugh at kind of the like, t-shirts and the memes and the things like that. And I don't get offended by that. Um, but I do think that there's an education piece that's missing because I know the OCD in my life is what put me in the pattern of suicidal thoughts. And that's like a very scary place to be when you don't really know what's going on. And then if somebody says you ha you're bipolar or schizophrenic, at least you're like, oh, thank goodness there's a real diagnosis and there's medicine for this. But when people diagnose you with OCD, you're like, what are they going to do for me? Make me a meme or a t-shirt or just tell me not to be clean. Like so, you, it's really hard to come to terms with something that's not really taken serious. And it is a very serious uh, matter, as you know, um, with, with your clients. And, you know, I was one of your clients for a while and also in your group um, sessions. And so Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about when you first got diagnosed with it and what that was like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I, I had already started having anxiety as a teenager, but I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know how to describe it. Um, but as my teenage years progressed into my young adult years, I definitely became a lot more um, obsessive about certain things. Most of my scruples, if we want to call them that, most of my scrupulosity symptoms um, popped up in religious areas, um, particularly in relation to service. Because the way that I grew up was very much like, you know, when I'm helping other people, that's when I'm valued. When I'm doing something for other people, that's when I feel safe and secure and, and whatnot. Um, and that transferred into my obsessive compulsive experience with God and with other people that I had compulsions that I had to do stuff for God, for other people. I had to always be busy. We, we call these ministry compulsions. Mm -hmm. um, I meet with a lot of pastors who can't stop doing their work when it's time to stop um, right. because, because there's just this inner urge that I, I, it's, it's not okay to stop. And so I see a lot of burnout in this field as well. So I had ministry compulsions, couldn't stop. I had also obsessions that if I, if I wasn't so fastidious with all of my spiritual practices, 
that God was going to be disappointed and that he was going to turn away from me. And theologically, I would never have said that out loud. Right. Yes. That's the, that's the <laughs> danger with it is nothing you teach or encourage others with, <laughs> excuse me, is what you believe. Like, you know, and again, well, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is a good little segue here um, in a sense, but it'd be like one of my obsessions, or I should say like horrible intrusive thoughts were that God wanted me to kill myself. Right. So people listening right now, I don't mean to scare you, but that was one of the things I had to work through for about a year and a half, two years. <laughs> and I remember somebody asked me, like, would you tell anybody else to do that? Or would he tell? And I'm like, no, but I'm kind of like without saying it, but special. This is the call. And this is the thing on my life that God is having me do. What a twisted way of viewing anything. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I totally resonate with that. <laughs> Excuse um, me. The, the things that we obsess and compulse about are definitely not something that would focally be in our theological system. Right. Um, I mean, I'm a, I, I, I see myself as a very grace-based Christian. And yet my life was so legalistic. I had to have my my quiet time with the Lord every day had to be 90 minutes. And if mm. I did 89 minutes for some reason, it always would feel like the most horrible sin that I'm cheating God of my time with him. He's going to be so disappointed with me. Even if I had to go to the airport at 3 a.m., I would make sure to subtract <laughs> enough time so that I could wake up and do my 90 minutes, you know. And there's other people that they, you know, they have to tap the door a certain number of times or circle the building a certain number of times for, for God, right? Um, so it's just another form of, of the OCD hijacking the religious experience. And that was what I was going through. Um, but it really ramped up when I, I had gotten married after college and my husband and I, we went overseas to the Middle East um, it, we had, we'd had a ministry call over there. My husband was working uh, with a Christian organization in ministry. And I eventually, after a lot of learning curve and learning Arabic and everything, I was working with Syrian refugees in, in Lebanon. And as you can imagine, it was a very demanding type of role, emotionally demanding, I can say. Um, and I ran, I ran a small program where I had a food supplementation, um, uh, initiative helping some of the more vulnerable refugee families to at least get some food staples throughout the month and you know it was the kind of job where if you're not careful you're going to go into burnout you're going to go into compassion fatigue and so pairing right. that with my natural sort of um ministry compulsion like I can't stop working when it's time to stop working that was just fate waiting to happen and um, so several years into that, I was overworking myself. And, and some people might look in on this and say, oh, well, that's just poor boundaries. That's just, you know, you not knowing how to stop yourself from having compassion fatigue. And that, that's valid to a point. You know, I've definitely had to do a lot of boundary learning over time. But the insidious mindset that was behind that was the OCD mindset. That if you don't do this, God might not really accept you. Well, if you fail at your work then that means that 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 God is going to be disappointed or that maybe, you know, your salvation is not secure. And if God was really with you, wouldn't you be more successful in your work? And it's always, as you mentioned earlier, it's the if. Well, what if this? Right. Well, how do you know this? It's that doubting disease coming through. Um, and so it was just a very toxic um, time for me. And I spiraled very quickly during that period into a very dark depression. Um, mm -hmm. As you mentioned in your own experience, I, I became very suicidal. Um, I never attempted, but I had plenty of the suicidal ideation going on. And it was sort of at a point when I was um, strongly considering, <laughs> sorry to scare your listeners, if there's anyone that maybe could get triggered by this, but I was at the edge of a, a, a high building and I had just this urge that I want to jump off the building. Like, I just can't do this yeah. anymore. <clears throat> and, that, and that was coming to me from a this obsessive mindset where I had, I had overthought things to the point that I was convinced that I was going to hell, that there was no spiritual hope for me. And that if, if I'm doomed to hell anyways, why should I even continue living? Right. And that's the scary part. And I've been muting my audio because I'm having a coughing fit for some reason, but I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm coming up out of a cold, okay. a chronic cold apparently, but oh, no. <clears throat> bear with me guys. But that whole like ideology and fixation on like death, right? 
a lot of times people, when I would come talk to them that didn't know that I had OCD or I didn't even really know, <clears throat> would say, well, I have those thoughts too, intrusive thoughts. Like maybe I should turn this car, you know, into the other lane on 95 or whatever. <clears throat> but when it comes to OCD, it's this, you don't just let the thought pass. <clears throat> Excuse me. You obsess over the thought. Right. And that's the scary part. It's not like intrusive thought. Let's move on. It's like, should I do this? Like, right. I'm really, really contemplating doing this and I'm going to keep contemplating it until I obsess over something else. Right. And so almost everybody gets weird thoughts that they can just like, oh, that was a weird thought. And the thought keeps going. When you have OCD, you have to analyze that thought. And, you know, sometimes it may be like the urge to actually do it. But other times there's like this horror associated with the thought. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what does it mean that I just had that thought? What does that mean? I'm a bad Christian. Does that mean I'm lost? Does that mean I'm apostate? And, you know, you get all of these what does that mean? There's like always some sort of meaning attached to our thoughts. And that's where it gets really dangerous. And, um, and I, I work with clients that, that spend hours and hours of their day trying to figure out why they just had that thought. So anyways, um, there I was um, thinking about jumping off the building and ending my life. And that's when I realized, you know what, I don't think this is normal. I need help. And I just thank God for his grace and mercy to me, because it was at that point that I did reach out for help. And I was taken seriously and I had supportive people rally around me. And I just, I, I mean, just a miracle of God's grace. I was able to come back to the U.S. and uh, get treatment. I was diagnosed with OCD, which that in itself is a huge blessing because statistically, huge. It, takes, <clears throat> it takes an average of like 11 to 14 years to be correctly diagnosed with OCD. People miss it all the time. But people also diagnose themselves with OCD all the time. And so that's like the other factor, right? Not only does it take a long time for it to kind of manifest enough, so to speak, for somebody on the outside who's licensed to tell you you have this, but then you have a ton of other people saying, well, I have it too. And it's like, okay, all right. So I think that kind of piggybacking off what you're saying while I'm not having a coughing fit. I'm so sorry for those of you who are watching and seeing my eyes turn red because I'm coughing, but those who are listening can't tell. So anyways, um, <laughs> but with, with like, with the scrupulous piece too, most people who are going through a mental health issue, who are Christians, it's, it's one or the other, or maybe a little bit of both. But it's, I'm going straight to God. I don't need medicine. I don't need help because God's enough. If that's you, God bless you. Um, but I believe also in balance of God's given us resources. It's kind of the same. If somebody has cancer and they go get chemotherapy, you're not going to say, well, you should just be praying instead of getting chemo. It's like, no, like this, we need to hold the, and I know, <coughs> excuse me, cancer is super severe too, but so is OCD or mental health issues. So you have that, but then you have these people who are, just chasing God, like we're saying. And then when you have OCD and scrupulous OCD, you always think God is telling you something. Mm -hmm. So that's the other scary part. But anyways, I'll let you pick back up your story. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a, that's a great point. There has to be balance in this. And I think it's, it's awesome that you're opening this topic because um, I think in, in the world of Christianity, there's an underrepresentation of talking about mental health issues because of exactly what you just said. Well, just pray it away. Just pray, have more faith. It's going to be fine. I personally know one of my close childhood friends had leukemia as a child and the family decided to take the approach of like, let's just take some herbs and pray hard. And my friend died. You know, it was a really tragic situation. And I'm not of the opinion that Christians have to just pray away our diseases like god is the creator of the physical world around us it's my belief and if god created the physical world and all the plants and animals and and you know material life in it then surely my study of science and the scientific method and you know medicines that come out of the natural world can be compatible with my belief as a christian so um, so definitely there's there's room, there's more room within Christianity to talk about mental health and um, recovery from these things. But yes, making a long story short, I did um, I did get treatment for it. I was able to um, overcome my depression. I went to an incredible uh, residential uh, depression recovery program 
um, just absolute fantastic. It was a Christian, uh, Christian center and um, they had a 10 day program. And in 10 days, I went in the first day I, I did the, the test. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but I tested as severely depressed when I came in. 10 days later, I left that program subclinical for depression. And that was like a humongous shifting point in my life because in that period, yeah. I overcame my depression in like, I mean, depression is a lot simpler than OCD, to be honest. Yeah, it really is. Um, but I overcame that. And then I had this name, OCD this label. I said, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with. I can start like figuring it out. And of course, like anybody with obsessive compulsive disorder, I went home and obsessively started Googling about Googling it. everything. What are my symptoms? Is this OCD? Is this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, where I landed and I'm trying to make this story really short. Um, I landed in a lot of online forums for scrupulosity recovery and support. And they're yeah. on Facebook and, and, and other forums online. And there I was hearing other people describe the exact same things that I was experiencing of thought patterns that could not be escaped of compulsive behaviors that didn't really match my theology, but I had to do it to prove right. something to God or to mitigate my anxiety. And I said, wow, this is what I'm dealing with. And I started to, you know, the unfortunate thing was, you know, being overseas, there weren't really, I mean, in the Middle East, at least in the country where we were working, there were not very many options for psychological treatment. So after my initial diagnosis by a professional, I was kind of on my own. Yeah. And that's part of why I spent so much time in these forums trying to figure out, oh, what did your therapist tell you to do? <laughs> what did your therapist say? And I learned so much from these other people in the group. Um, and, and the point I want to bring out here, which is going to relate to my write it down a little bit later, is that every time that I would learn something from other people that I felt like was helping me with my OCD, I would turn around and try to share that with somebody else. Yep. I was yep. spending several hours per day in the forums online, like just like gleaning wisdom from other people. And then when somebody would be frantically like typing in about some crisis that they were in because of their OCD, I would try to support them and talk to them and uh, share the things that had helped me. And little by little, as a couple years went by, I sort of became known in some of the forums and people started tagging me. Jamie, can you answer my question? Okay, yeah, and side note for the OCD and scrupulous community, Jamie is famous in this community. And <laughs> no, you really are. And it's like, I'll even like, I, I'm subscribed to your YouTube. So I'll get like notifications, like when you post a video and I'm like, this girl is like going viral. So, and I say this because you're humble and you never would, but what I love the most about you is you, obviously you're humble, but you're very, very educated. So not only did you walk through this on your own, right? And so it's kind of like that scripture. I always forget if it's first or second Corinthians, maybe you can help me. But um, when it talks about the comfort we receive from the Holy Spirit, we turn around and give comfort to others. I think it's first Corinthians one or something like that. Okay, Lord help me. But and everybody knows who listens here that I know scripture, but the reference is just like, <laughs> which is might not be good for some people. But anyways, it works for me. But when it comes to what you do is you are very, very educated. Um, you also said this a lot too in our one-on-ones and in our group is you did not go to licensed mental health counseling school. However, you were getting your, during at least during the time you were coaching me, you were getting your doctorate, which we can talk about a little bit, but you're very, very well versed on scripture. And so like we've talked about with scrupulosity, scrupulosity attaches itself to religious and moral um, activities and thoughts and, and impressions from the Lord. So um, <clears throat> the fact that you had such a knowledge of scripture and then you also had such a knowledge of scrupulosity, you were able to kind of rearrange a lot of the way we thought about scripture, which I think everybody, whether they have scrupulosity or not, would benefit from because how many times have we talked in our discussions where I, you know, thank God for Sunday night group coaching that we had with you because I would oft, I didn't go to church for a long time because I would be triggered in church. And, you know, we would talk that evening in our group session and about people would bring up what their pastors said. And it would be very much like God told me. 
And before we, we don't even need to get into the, like how God speaks to other people, because sometimes people, God speaks to people differently and that's okay. And, um, obviously God's word and scripture is our canon and what we hold everything up to. But there was a lot of like people using their, and I'm guilty of this. So I'll just speak from my experience. I, I would say I as the pronoun here instead of we as a group, but I specifically would read daily devos and look at it almost as my horoscope for the day. I would, um, and I'm sure Christians who don't have scrupulosity do this. I would play Russian roulette with the Bible. I would open the Bible and it would be something. I think that's what God's trying to tell me for today. Right. And give me my daily bread of what I need to do that day. Right. Like a task force thing. Like you wake up in the morning and your drill sergeant tells you what to do. That's how I was opening scripture. And then not to mention would be triggered when people say the Lord told me or really whatever, because so here's like a, I'll put over here, a normal brain, maybe able to define that better, what God's speaking to them, what God's showing them in scripture. You know, there have been times I've opened scripture and I've been like, I really needed to hear that. Thank you, God. But I have to stop there because I will obsess and obsess and obsess, obsess of where does this apply in my life and in my day. Right. But then you have the OCD brain over here and you think God's telling you to kill yourself if you don't do something, which we know we never tell anybody else. So when you are already battling what God's telling you, it's not God, it's your OCD, but battling what you think God is telling you because it's a very strong impression. Then you talk to a normal brain that's saying, God just wants me to be obedient in this season of my life and do what he calls me to do. Oh my word. All you latch on to as an OCD brain is what God said and obedience. And so then you just create this big old spaghetti mess in your head of instructions. And then the next morning you could read in your devotional that God called Abraham to be obedient and leave his land And you'll fill in the blanks. Well, God called Brooke to be obedient and do X, Y, and Z. And so that's the the genuine, genuine cycle of scrupulosity. And again, coming to what you have with scrupulosity solutions, which we we I would love to talk about that in the academy as well. I know I'm laying a ton on you, but my throat's clear and I'm ready to talk. (laughs) But um, thank God. But what was really cool, at least in, in my, and I'll share a little bit of my story and how our paths cross is, and I've shared this story with friends privately. I don't know if I've ever shared this story publicly, which I think now is the time. But I remember I was with one of my childhood best friends and she is um, licensed and uh, with like, excuse me, licensed mental health counselor, like in that field. And we were on this ferry ride and I had told her like everything that I was going through. And I was like, this is what God wants me to do, blah, 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 blah. And like, but I was depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like, a, I think God's leading me to do this. And like, he really placed it on my heart. Like, it was like, I would be sobbing. And I thought God wanted me to move to a different state. I thought God wanted me to marry a man I didn't know. And all of this in my normal brain sounds so silly. But in that season, you know, for almost two years, that's like legit what my walk with God was characterized by. And kind of a little tangent of my tangent of my tangent is non-Christians would probably look at this and go, well, were you abused spiritually? Were you abused emotionally? Were you abused physically? This is probably the product of your Christian school and being shoved down your throat. And then you have the Christian side, you know, that's like, Let's pray it away in Jesus's name. And you're like, okay, well, if we engage with this spiritually, I'm going to go further down. So go ahead. I don't, you were going to say something. If I could just jump in there though, I want to say that there's a very, very small percentage of the clients that I see that categorize as having been spiritually abused or pressured. Right, right. And yeah, I think it's important to to say that OCD is, I mean, the science is still out on OCD. There's still a lot of research. Right. But as far as, as, as we can understand, OCD is not caused by trauma and very few, there are some, but very few of the people that I work with have these traumatic backgrounds. Right. So there's something that's short circuiting in the brain. That's not making sense. 
Right. And it could attach to any aspect of your life. You know, people have all kinds of themes within OCD. Yep. Harm, relationship, right. OCD, pedophilia, all of these things. You guys can research those themes. Um, but with that is, okay, and not to go into the whole trauma thing, but yeah, trauma in general, like can spike anxiety and OCD is an anxiety disorder. So it's kind of like if you have a predisposition to something, like some people are predisposed to like alcoholism. So it's good for them to like genuinely steer clear completely, not even have a glass of wine once a month because they're pre they're predisposed to that. Well, we're I I specifically am pre predisposed to OCD and anxiety. And so if you don't know this and then it's attaching to something I love, that's terrifying. And so again, I've had conversations with non-believers, you know, more in the the council world. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it's because you went to Christian school and that's all you knew. Maybe it's because, you know, your parents shoved it down your throat. And I was like, you know, now that I'm healthy, I was like, I want to be very, very clear that. Like, I believe like as a kid, I've had tons of tendencies with OCD, right? It just, I didn't know I had it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is someone who I love so much. And oftentimes OCD latches on to the most important things to you, to to scare you. And, you know, you said it once in a counseling session of like, you know, and then let's, so that's the non-believer side, but then the Christian side, right? Is like, maybe this is demonic. And then you're like, oh, my word, am I demon possessed? Am I oppressed? And then you just start to like go into like reading about demons in scripture because clearly the enemy wants you away from church and you haven't gone to church in a year because you think God like, so you're just like, you know, your brain feels like it's on fire at all times. But something I love that you said once in a group session was we live in a fallen world, right? So we have tornadoes. We have cancer. We have hurricanes. We have, you know, all these other natural disasters. We have child loss. We have parent loss. We have all these things in between. And not everything, not a tornado coming through is Satan going, right? right? It's just, it's the condition of the world we're in. And so it's the same thing with mental health. Not every intrusive thought is directly the enemy taunting you, you know? Does he play a role? Yeah, but let's not give him too much credit. He's stupid. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's crafty, but he just doesn't have a huge bag of tricks. So, but OCD is very tricky, right? We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the write-it-downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network, so show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. And so what I, kind of going back to the story, when my friend had told me, she she looked at me and she was like, kind of crying, and she's like, Brookie, I think you have OCD. And I'm like, like crying. I'm like, you really think that's what I need to hear right now? Like, obviously I have something spiritually wrong with me and, you know, I need to repent and I need to whatever. So I didn't believe her at first, but then a month or so later, I'm Googling some guy on the internet that got um, kicked out from my bar, my the restaurant I was working at. And I was trying to see if he had a mugshot because <laughs> I was like genuinely interested to see like what happened to this man. And something popped up, an article or something on my phone, because our phones probably hear us, but whatever. (laughs) And it said, is God talking to me or is my OCD? And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen God and OCD in the same sentence or even being battling for a voice in my head. And like, obviously, I was more aware of it now. And I kept clicking through and reading stories. I think it brought me to like your website which was the scrupulosity um, solutions and later scrupulosity Academy. And um, I just, I remember reading your story and your testimony and somewhere in there, you had said something like, um, I thought I heard the, um, 
immutable immutable what was the word you used maybe the immutable voice of god tell me i should marry a man i didn't know and i just started sobbing and i was like logging in i was making like a login that night you had one of your um like one of your you had just started back up your sunday group sessions and i was like i just remember feeling like i could breathe because i was like at least at the very least if maybe I am going through a spiritual crisis and God is mad at me because it's how I'm still thinking, the very least I'm not the only one. <laughs> and we, you know what I'm saying? And then we started healing from there. And so, again, I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I it, that to me <clears throat> was super impactful. Excuse me, I'm about to get a cough again. Um, that to me was how I saw God's hand. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference, right? God is such a gentle shepherd and leads us places. Whereas OCD makes you feel like if I don't do this right now, God is going to be very upset with me and God is going to punish me. And then you get into the magical thinking of like, you think everything you do, which this is all OCD, not just scrupulosity, (coughs) excuse me, all OCD struggles with magical thinking you know, a lot of the, all the themes do is if I don't do this, something bad's going to happen. My actions and reactions are a domino effect. So for me, I thought my parents were going to die if I didn't move to a different state, which again, sounds no connection, no connection at all. But I remember I would look at you in sessions and be like, this connects Jamie. (laughs) You were so gracious to me because I'd be sobbing and I'd be like, I know that this is like what God wants and blah, 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 blah. And you would always say, God doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, and I know I'm taking like your entire afternoon, but it's about to rain here and it feels like I'm just cozying up talking to an old best friend. But tell us a little bit about how scripture and like re- revising the way you read scripture and revising the heart of God in your mind really helped heal you in these places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do believe that revising our view of God is a really important step in overcoming religious OCD. And as you, uh, the, what you mentioned now about magical thinking and these wacky connections that don't exist those need to be broken. I, I think most people are familiar with that old little kind of a nursery rhyme or step on a crack, break your mother's back. Yeah. It actually comes from the world of OCD. And that's why you get these caricatures of people with OCD twisting and turning as they walk down the sidewalk, trying to avoid stepping on cracks because they're afraid it's going to break their mother's backs. Very superstitious. Very superstitious. And OCD makes these random connections between things that are not in real life connected. And that is definitely the case as well in religious OCD that, like you mentioned, if I don't do ABC, my parents are going to die. Um, if if I if I eat an extra cookie today, my dog will die. All kinds of weird stuff. God's like gonna... does not connect. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we have to begin um, revising our understanding of who God is. And, and let me just say like this. Uh, well, preface before I talk about like um, different sorts of strategies that we use. As you mentioned earlier, I'm not a mental health therapist. I'm not a medical person at all. Yeah, um, I do have a doctoral degree, but you should be. But yeah, that's I my, digress. My degrees are in religious areas, not in <laughs> psychological areas. So whatever I'm saying, you know, your your listeners have to like go and check this um, with their own sources. Um, but but here's the thing: the ultimate cure for OCD is to ignore all the nonsense, to just ignore the nonsense, stop, stop doing the compulsions, stop engaging with the obsessions, let it go and keep moving on with life. That sounds very, very simple to say that to a person to implement it is much more difficult. Oh, so hard. And here's the problem. When you say that to a person that has like hand washing compulsions, or maybe pencil sorting compulsions, or whatever it may be, Um, you can tell them, stop doing it. And they would probably say, you know what? You're right. I need to stop this. It's just really hard because my anxiety doesn't want me to stop it, but you're right. I need to. They would agree with you that it's a good idea to stop, but come over to the religious OCD community and you tell them, I need you to stop praying so much. That feels very sinful. Very. And it feels like your pastor is going to find out. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) 
Uh, is any, and then like you're saying sinful, but it starts to make you, because your spirituality and how you view yourself and like how you view your standing with God as in your flesh is what can I do for him? Right. And so when you, yeah. So when you stop doing the things, the very few things you can do, which is pray and go to church and read your Bible. And then you kind of lose that for a little bit. You're like, Oh, okay. So if I didn't think I was going to hell before, I for darn sure think I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, Brooke, you mentioned earlier um, that that you'd read something like three percent of the OCD community yeah, is, is, is experiencing the religious form of OCD. I've I've heard similar statistics, but my personal view on it is that the number is underrepresented. And I don't have any way of proving this except that I see so many people. Um, that are running in terror from their secular therapist because their secular therapist who doesn't share the same Christian values is telling them to stop these religious compulsions and that feels so sinful. So they're like, I must not have OCD or I'm not going to treat my OCD the secular route. And I just believe that, that there's a whole lot of religious OCD existing that's not being reported. It's not being treated. They're trying to pray it away or some other spiritual cure for it. Um, but as, as we mentioned a moment ago, really the cure to OCD, whatever theme you have is learning how to stop giving importance to the thoughts and learn how to ignore them. And that is the reason why I believe that revising our view of God and scripture is important. Not that we're wanting to get the Bible and sit down and have like a theological argument with our yeah, thoughts. That's, that's actually lie. worse. That's, yeah. That actually makes it worse. We don't want to argue with our thoughts or Bible bash ourselves. But we need to be convinced enough through scripture and through our relationship with God to say, you know what? I don't think this is God requiring it from me. I think there's something wrong in my brain because God doesn't work like that. That's really the point that we're getting at when we talk about revising our view of God. That helps us to be able to swallow the bitter pill of treatment and actually do what we need to do. Yeah. And honestly, to to break the cycle because you can, you know, you Google OCD and you'll see a, a, a on any, like it could be Google, it could be Instagram, it could be TikTok. You'll most likely see a graphic at some point with a, a cycle, right? Where it has like the arrows pointed to the next thing. And it normally starts with the intrusive thought, the obsession, the compulsion, the affirmation, like you always need affirmation, the rest, repeat. Mm-hmm. And so it's this vicious cycle. I might have gotten a few things out of order, but that was a thing too, right? I would wake up every day texting my parents looking for some sort of affirmation of a yes or no. Like you also learn in a mental health disorder and I'll say OCD, not just scrupulosity, but OCD as a whole to not trust yourself mm-hmm. and to like not trust other people, but to, for some reason, trust the impression or the chaotic thought. So there's two two ways you can do with OCD, which we've talked about in our in our sessions, was you can either really like over engage or complete avoidance. So there are some people who are like terrified of getting in a car accident, so they stop driving, mm-hmm. you know, or they I've heard of a story before of this girl that was um, every time she went over a speed bump, she thought she was running over a dead body. So she would compulsively avoid speed bumps. And so then you can kind of get into the different therapies for that. But there is the exposure response therapy. Response prevention. Yeah. Exposure response prevention where, you know, you you do the things that kind of scare you just to kind of, for example, I'll, I'll give my own example of what I had to do. There was a song that every time I heard it, I was triggered. It would come on at my restaurant. It would come on at weddings. And I would suffer silently or cry or text my parents that I thought it was a sign from God every time the song came on. It was a common, like a very like mainstream song. So imagine like it just popping up on the radio and then you thinking it's a sign from God. Horrible. And so part of what I did is I did that therapy on myself. Not that I ever got it done, but I would start to listen to it by myself. Mm-hmm. And I would let the feelings of anxiety and, and obsessions wash over me. I would ignore them that way in public when the song would come on, I wouldn't be triggered because I trained my brain that nothing 
dangerous is going to happen if the song comes on because your brain really, really wants to protect itself. It wants to protect, you know, you go into this protection mode when you're anxious, when you're nervous. And this can happen from trauma, right? If you've lost somebody because they got run over by a car and that makes you avoidant of that and you start to think if I go, if I drive, if I go over a speed bump, this person's going to die. And you start to feed this magical thinking that this situation is related to everything you do. It is important not to completely avoid, but to slowly on your own time, but also challenge yourself to reintroduce certain things into your life and go, I'm okay. And I had to do that with church because I cut church out for a while and I had to start going and like, like dip my toe in, like maybe stay for a little bit and then leave, maybe stay and then not talk about it afterwards because I'd start to feed in what maybe I thought. So there are different ways to kind of mildly approach integrating yourself back into things. But Sorry, I kind of cut you off or we got into lost conversation, but you were talking about um, once you once you tell your clients to stop praying as much or reading the Bible or engaging in a a lot of spiritual activity, cue the fear that you could potentially be backsliding on your faith. So anyways, back to back to that. (laughs) I I think I I finished my thought on that. It It just really is religious obsessions and compulsions tend to tend to be a little harder to overcome for many people because of the the way that it's linked with our faith and our future life and our beliefs of of you know what will happen in the future um so it's it's not easy it's it's just not easy to 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 work through um but i i sympathize with those who are going through the struggle because i've i've been there too yeah absolutely and you know, a lot of it too, and you see this a lot in the secular culture, but you also see it um, creeping in rather quickly into um, the Christian culture with woke movements and cancel culture and signs from God and and just this this relativism that's happening. And I'm not shaming people. I'm just announcing what's really going on in the world. You can see it all over the internet. And then we have faith over here. And so it's really, really hard when it comes to signs with, with faith, because everybody wants a sign from God, Mm -hmm. Christians and non-Christians, whether non-Christians label it God or not, they want the universe to tell them what's coming up. Right. And we know in Ecclesiastes, it talks about that God has set futures in our hearts so that we, we, we see God. Right. So that we don't so that we don't find out, basically. And it's not a trick. It's 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 to beckon us into knowing who he is and his heart for us, because his heart for us is good and we can trust him. And so but when it comes to OCD, kind of going back more into familiar subject than a more secular subject like that. But when it when when it came to OCD and scrupulosity for me, I was uncertain about things in my life and I had gotten a car accident. I had hit my head. I was, wasn't able to do the things I wanted to do. There were things that shifted in my life relationally and I just fell into this depression and despair. And the first thing you do as a Christian, obviously is to seek God, but kind of seek him harder because you're like, I am in trouble. I'm fearful. You know, what's going to happen? The what ifs start to set in. And I was always wanting God to give me some sort of sign or confirmation. I was like obsessed with confirmations. I would say like if my mom said, God has mercy for you. And then I heard it in a song. I was like, that's my sign is mercy. He's going to give me one more clue later. Horrible way of thinking. But it that is how I shaped my thinking for a long time for a a year or two, which is like so sad because it just felt like it ate up a lot of my time, but praise God we're better. But hopefully we're helping people listening to this. But I remember being at work one time and, you know, she's, she's a non-believer and we weren't talking to anything mental health. She was just talking about how she got um, just a nail in her tire. And she was like, well, I thought, I think it's a sign from the universe because I've been needing to get a new car, but she was dead serious. So she started like making moves to do that. And now that I have more of a sound mind and I was out of that, I probably would have fed it 
like a couple of years ago. I would have been like, yeah, apparently you're not doing something right because, you know, or maybe something bad's going to happen. Right. The what ifs. Maybe something bad's going to happen to your car later. So God's warning you now to get a new one. Right. You're trying to play like catch up, like our two steps ahead of God or like, see, you know, I'm catching on like another performance, you know, key performance indicator. KPI is what they call it in the corporate world. But I remember being like, why don't you just get a new tire? You know, more of like the logical brain is talking. She's like, I don't know. I just think that this has probably been like, it's probably like my last sign you know, or whatever. And I was like, I just, my heart broke more in compassion than it did thinking she was crazy. Cause I was like, I listen, I thought I was supposed to move to a different state or someone's going to have my parents. And every time I saw a license plate, I'd have a panic attack of that state because it was a sign from God. If somebody pulled out in front of me with the license plate. So I cast zero judgment. I hope this echoes into your ears. I cast zero judgment on whatever you're dealing with or whatever little things your your brain is wanting to attach to but i felt a lot of freedom in that moment to be like not everything is some grand big gesture from god or what you think is the universe yeah and i think you know there's that scripture in ecclesiastes again ecclesiastes 11 i want to say where it says don't be overly wise and don't be overly righteous why destroy yourself because yeah, seven, seven. Sorry, did I say eleven? My bad. Eleven's the time. There's a time for everything. I think, or is that? Yeah, what? Okay. Lord help me. But anyways, I got the book right. Yeah. So there is this level of everybody wanting to discern the future. That's why people go to get tarot cards and go to psychics and and try to figure it out. <clears throat> and for somebody that's obsessive already to go down that path, I'm telling you right now, it leads to misery pure misery and sadness and confusion. So the problem also is with um, what you're saying about the sign seeking is that it ties in so, so, so well with the vulnerabilities of the OCD brain, because the, the, the way the OCD brain is somehow malfunctioning is that our brains do not easily achieve a sense of closure like most people. Like most people, when they sit down and they think about, you know, should I buy a new car or a new tire? Let me think about the pros and the cons. And, you know, you can kind of think through an issue and you come to a conclusion and then you feel good about it. You get a sense of closure that, okay, I thought through the issue, made my decision. Like some done. peace. Yes. There's some peace about it. Or in a more spiritual sense, we give our lives to Christ in, in devotion to him and we receive his salvation in our lives. And then we feel secure in him. We have a, cl- a sense of closure, most normal people. <laughs> but if if Disclaimer. the, brain, if the yeah. OCD brain has this, I don't know how genetic it is or, or biological or what's going on upstairs, but there's a weakness in being able to achieve a sense of closure. That's why many, one of the most common obsessions within the world of scrupulosity is, a, is salvation doubts. Am I really saved? Am I really saved? Do I have to do something more in order to be saved? A lack of closure. And so signs and that affirmation or reassurance seeking that you were talking about, that comes in as a repetitive way of trying to grant ourselves closure, trying to get that sense of peace. Yeah. And a sign is something that we're like, oh, if God would just give me a sign, if God would just, you know, speak through somebody to me, then I would feel better about this. Right. But we it's that affirmation piece, like in that cycle or whatever diagram that I was talking about. So instead of getting that affirmation, maybe from, you know, a family member, you're looking for it from God, like at all times until get back to that station of rest, like that you were just saying. And so that closure piece is huge. And then, you know, your brain wants to go into all these different theologies of like, is it once saved, always saved? Did I have good soil when God sowed his seed and his word in me? Or did the birds come snatch it up? Or am I, you know, am I the rich young ruler that didn't? And then before you know it, you've lost and regained your salvation 12 times in two minutes. Right. (laughs) And thank God, God is not like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank the Lord most high that, you know, and honestly, a lot of that that peace that you get when you're as you're healing and scrupulosity is kind of getting back to that point of being able to not only trust God because scrupulosity, like you're if anything, it shows you that your heart wants to trust God. 
your Mm -hmm. brain just can't make sense. So like the heart of a scrupulous person is stunning. I mean, it is so beautiful. And if you are listening to this and you struggle with OCD or scrupulosity yet, or maybe you think you do and you need to go see somebody to get diagnosed or go get help. But like, just, just trust Jamie and I, when we say this, you are not some evil wackadoo person. There's something going on in your brain that needs healing and needs help. And there are resources out there for you and the, and the world of OCD and um, getting it out there and the help is growing. And if anything with a scrupulous, if I could go back and talk to myself, I would ensure myself that number one, like your heart for God is beautiful and same to you, Jamie, and same to everybody in our group that, you know, is still going through coaching or is, you know, graduated, but that your like love for God is so apparent and it's almost like you love it so much. It's torturing you because sometimes things that we love can do that to us, you know, especially our minds because our minds are, excuse me, are trying to make sense of, of it. And then the other thing I would say is that, you know, to, to trust yourself, obviously not trust your OCD, but there were many times you said to me of like, Brooke, I just think you don't trust yourself. And I'm like, well, what if I make the wrong decision? And not only am I ruining my life, but I'm ruining my parents' life because somehow their life and my decision has everything, you know, it all, you know, is going to come out in the wash and ruin everything. And then also somehow affect God's heart towards me. It was just a building upon of like lies and confusion. And again, those of you who are solid in your faith, you know, might want to point out that that's the hand of the enemy right there. But in the same breath, I would caution you. When you're around people that are this fragile and their scrupulous minds or their tender minds, I should say, just I think the best thing that you could do for somebody and Jamie, you wrote an article about this, but best thing that you could do for somebody is not to engage with those cycles, good or bad. Mm -hmm. So not even affirming them in a good way, but also not making them feel small, but maybe changing the topic you know, inviting them to go on for a walk or go for coffee or maybe shut your Bible and go horseback riding or do you self-care, go to get your toes done, like shift, shift the conversation and shift the thought process. Because I can tell you right now, your your two hour conversation of assessing where this person could be at spiritually or where they're struggling, it's probably doing more harm than good. And that's like, that's the hard part. So it's, it shouldn't be a you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, but just don't. <laughs> like just just don't don't. Just go do something different. Bring do something that brings that person joy and genuine joy. Not like we're gonna find joy in the Lord today, so let's go to worship night. No. <laughs> like, am I right? Like, don't do it because ultimately you're you're feeding a system that doesn't want to stop. And the only way to do that really is, is, is to starve the OCD and feed it with grace. And so, Jamie, I could talk to you forever. I'll probably have to have, have you come back on this epi- this podcast because there's so much goodness and so much truth. And I feel like I could pick your brain all day about scripture as well. But before we get to your write it down, I have rapid fire questions, but I do want to ask you, and if they don't come to mind right now, maybe you could write them up for us and I can share them in a post. But what is a scripture to that you really cling to or point you to the heart of God that really helps you when you're going through anxiety and OCD bouts? Yeah. Uh, well, one that comes to my mind right away is, is from Matthew, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 31, I believe it is, uh, which is a very common one. We all know it, but I think going through an anxiety disorder makes it more precious. And that's the, the passage that says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And that's been so helpful to me because I have, you know, when we struggle with scrupulosity, there's sort of this dichotomy in our mind where some days and some moments we just feel so frantic about our relationship with God. And there's a lot of have tos and shoulds and musts. And if we don't achieve everything on our checklists, then there's doom awaiting us. And that's not what Jesus promised. Instead, the other side of my brain, that the healthy side of my brain, as I think you mentioned earlier, is a recognition that Jesus wants me to have rest in my soul. 
He wants me to come to him and experience an easy path. Of course, Christianity is not always easy in all its facets, but at, there's a soul deep level of I'm at rest with God. I'm okay with God. I, 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 can, I can sort of let down my guard when I'm in his presence. And so that verse has just been so comforting to me that, and it helps me distinguish whenever I feel frantic, that's like just a good clue for me. Like, Jamie, hold up. If you're feeling like that, that's not what Jesus promised to give you. So you might be in your anxious mind right now. Why don't we just take everything that you're thinking about? Let's put it on ice for 24 hours and we can revisit that a little bit later when you're calmed down and feeling less anxious because yeah. that mindset of frantic anxiety, that's not the one Jesus promised to give you. So don't even, don't even bother trying to drive that car. Park it, get out, and let's figure this Run. out later. Go ride a bike. Yeah, exactly. you don't need that car. Yeah. I, I really appreciated that passage and the rest that it promises. And that's something that I'm really big on in the Scrupulosity Academy is promoting this idea of spiritual rest. That resting in, in God, resting in the work that he's done for us, resting in his care for us, um, you know, being able to give things over into his hand to take care of the worries that we like to put on our own back. That really is our, our solution is to rest rather than tinker and always try to fix our problems and our thoughts on our own. Yeah. And honestly, not only fix it, but fix it eminently. Like we want it done now. That's part of the obsession, right? It's the same thing with like wanting something, you know, organized and clean. If we want to go that route of more of the OCD brain, it's like you can't do anything until it's done. And so that's kind of where the tinkering with thoughts and anxiety and, and um, your walk with God and but rest really requires you to stop working. It'd be like it's kind of like those people that are micromanagers and it's like, OK, well, I'm going to have this person come detail my car. And then you go out there and you're like, but can you, <laughs> you know, instead of trusting the professional. And that's what it really is in your spiritual life, too, whether you have scrupulosity or not, it's trust a professional. Like you are not going to be able to keep everything in order and keep all these laws and things that you need to do and worries that you have in order at all times and make it work. But we have a God of order and we have a God that is, you know, on his time, but very timely and knows what he's doing. And that's that spiritual rest. And there's a book that um, I've read before. I know that, excuse me, you've read it too. We've talked about it, but gentle and lowly is a great book. I, uh, forget it's right up there it's in my i think dane ortland dane ortland i almost said james ormond but it's what is it dane ortland gentle and lowly so good so such a good peaceful book to read um very good read to like if you wake up in the morning or need something to relax your mind at night um but i love that that's the only really time in scripture that god defines his heart is gentle and lowly and um, so I love that. Okay, let's get to rapid fire and then I'll give you your write it down and then I'll literally ask you to come on my show once a month because you're incredible. Okay, here's my rapid fire. I'm going to try my best. I'm the worst at rapid fire because I always want to get more conversation. So would you rather be hot or cold? Oh, hot for sure. I'm a Florida would, girl. I love that. Would you rather go to the movies or go out to dinner? Dinner. I like eating. Me too. Cookie or cake? Cookie. Okay. Almond or oat milk? Neither one. Soy milk is my thing. Soy milk. Okay. Cereal or oatmeal? Oh, I'm a, I am like the biggest cereal fan. That's my comfort food. So no, no question. <laughs> I, I literally love it. Okay. That is probably the fastest I've ever done rapid fire, but I've taken so much <laughs> of your time today. I'm so thankful. We are at that point in the show where I ask each guest to give the audience something to write down. So Jamie Eckert, what is your write it down? So I, I pondered your question about the write it down. I said, man, there are so many guiding principles and helpful thoughts that have, you know, spurred me on in life. Um, but if I had to just pick one as it relates to my own experience with scrupulosity and taking my own brokenness and struggle through the OCD journey and actually becoming, um, you know, sort of a facilitator of, of trying to coach and help other people through that, um, my write it down would be this. Don't feel that you have to be perfect in order to help other people. 
You mm. only need to be one step ahead of where they are so you can show them that next step. That's probably yeah. long. No. no, I love that because it's so true. There's first of all, no one's ever going to arrive to the place where they know it all. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. You know, going to that next step, it's kind of like, you know, in a workout, if if you stagger start, right. And some, I went through the cone touches and you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. I can sit there and go, Hey, it's really not that bad. Here's what you need to do to get to the next level. Do I know what's after the cone touches? No. Hopefully I have somebody right ahead of me that can tell me what I need to do next. And so that is exactly what you've done in my life. I know that even more so now, um, you've grown a lot in, in, and the knowledge about scrupulosity and the awareness of it all. And I've even grown and I didn't even know I was ever going to need to grow in this area because I didn't even know I really had it. Um, and so I hope that this episode served a lot of people, whether, You've been diagnosed with OCD, whether you think you might need to go see if you are, um, if you have some of these tendencies, um, and then with scrupulosity, I don't listen. If you're listening to this and have scrupulosity, hit us up because we're trying to build a little huddle of people of awareness um, so that we can bring freedom. Ultimately, that's what Christ came to do is bring freedom and and break the bondage of slavery over our lives because he loves us. And so that is the beautiful redeeming part of learning about OCD in the healing process. So Jamie, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing with us. I am honored to have you on here and I am humbled to call you friend. So. Thank you, Brooke. It's, it's really been a pleasure. And I, I hope that, um, that this podcast will be a blessing to somebody out there, as you've mentioned. And uh, yeah, I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Write It Down podcast, guys. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool stands for write it down podcast but it's abbreviated to woodpod anyways thanks for listening and we will catch you later